This is Books, Beats, and Beyond, where we will bring you provocative music and engaging interviews from music artists, authors, historians, and others barely acknowledged by the mainstream media. I'll be your host, Taj. See, iconic be the sign of the comet, the fall catastrophic, the CD, hot out the burner, so we drop it in your poetry, it's got got, my written on the walls, my cucarachas, it's pissing on the stool by your zapatas, silo beam, high flying, piloting with winos, you listen to politicians, so what the fuck do I know, this defiance, not survival, the posture, the hostage, that turn away that bread and cheese for you to break salat with, try it dog, got the Tylenol and final call with bean pies, not the Adderall's, got Dragon Ball Z, sleep time, told you got the juice, freeze dry, marmalade for these pigs too, this that karma crazy, baby, streamline, 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 yo, they hunting out in the open, I'm puffing out in the open, baby, they come to me, I'm thugging out in the open, they want it out in the open, baby, I see the beast, they gunning out in the open, say fuck them out in the open, baby. Today, I'm talking with Cavalier. He is an MC representing Brooklyn, New York. He has shared the stage with Nas, DMX, Little Brother, The Beat Nuts, Smith & Wesson, and many other renowned MCs. We'll be talking about his melodious and introspective album titled Private Stock. Cavalier, welcome to Books, Beats, and Beyond. Thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. So let's just get right to it. Cavalier, why? What's the name about? Cavalier. To be honest, it uh, it started out just as a nickname from some buddies. Uh, do I have to watch my language? Or? No, no. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, you know, I, you know, my friends kind of have an asshole sense of humor at least at the time, and I think um, my personality type, they kind of felt me to be kind of smart alecky. So. You know, one of my buddies would just be like, you know, you're like a little savvy cavalier motherfucker. You know? <laughs> kind of started that way. And um, it just, be, it, you know, eventually Cav just became my nickname. And I decided to use that cavalier as my stage name. And then over time kind of found other meaning in it that, you know, I decided to accept and I thought was positive. So that's really where it came from. Okay, cool, man. So what what specifically influenced you? Uh, what What gave you the confidence to become an MC? Shit. Uh man. Um practice. Probably <laughs> <laughs> a lot of practice. It it took me a, a minute to I think, you know, you know, it's like this, man. When you when you tell people 
you're a rapper. Yeah. They usually usually kind of flinch. You know right. What I'm saying? It's, it's like, oh God, that's that's what you do. Yeah. Another and, one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and they don't do that. If I was like, you know, I'm a sculptor. <laughs> right. They wouldn't like no no one asks me like people don't go like, oh, you still sculpting, man? You know, like <laughs> you know, your homie sculpts. You don't do that, and people do that with with MCs. But right. on the flip side, you're talking about an art form that arguably is making the most impact on our culture to me it's, it's the ultimate like you know yeah you know it's the ultimate postmodern medium mm-hmm. in my opinion you know so um i think i needed to hit a space where i was able to be confident enough in myself to proudly be like nah this is what i do without having to kind of sugarcoat it for people like oh no i'm a re- i'm a recording artist you know people try to dodge around it <laughs> i'm a poet now, yeah <laughs> yeah i'm a poet oh man i hate that one you know so you know i now I'm kind of just like when people ask me, like I rap, mm-hmm. I tell them straight away because I don't lead with that. So if they found, you know, if they had interest enough to ask me and I tell them, they'll see that, you know, that I do it hopefully at a, re- a level that they can take it serious. Right, right. And and what 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 do you think you what got you what influenced you kind to want to pursue the music? Uh, I, I'm around. I, I was surrounded by people who. Well, it, it took it took a while. It was definitely a process, to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a school dropout. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely had some some uh, some phases where I kind of wasn't sure if that was really a valid path for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but I start I was sur- I was surrounded by other creatives that I looked up to, and then some of whom you know that also started to find success independently as music, and I think that encouraged me a lot. You know, right. there was definitely um, you know, a lot of other MCs really like gave me opportunities and pushed me. So I kind of got this feeling like if other people in my craft respect, you know, because you can't right. buy the respect of your peers, you know. Right. Fans are fickle, but when you have the respect of your artistic peers, that's like a whole nother level. So that really started to push me more and more, you know. Yeah, true indeed. Yeah, if you're if you're around people who you find are influential in your life and you can see that they're doing something, it kind of gives you the confidence to move forward and do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. Man. Yeah. So, so let let's get into the album. It's called Private mm-hmm. Stock. Explain mm-hmm. the title. Well, pri- you know, originally Private Stock I I intended for it to be like Lemon I did a project called Lemonade with Iman mm-hmm. uh Iman Ari before I did Private Stock and you know, to me Private Stock would have been like the B-sides, like all the things that didn't make it onto Lemonade or that weren't finished to make it onto that project. And the concept behind it was like, you know, uh, the private stock is usually what a distillery has, right? right? Like they make their batch of their whiskey or their cognac, and then they have the distiller's choice, you know, that, that yeah. select batch. That's called private stock. So my logic was, you know, if you if you were messing with Lemonade and you were messing with that, you know, here's our private stock. Yeah. Um, that That's what set it off, but it ended up, becoming so so much more like to the point where you know lemonade is an ep it's a very kind of dusty homemade project and in comparison private stock is almost like a studio album right you know? yeah absolutely so it just came as whole it became a whole it took on a life of its own basically. i think the thing i love is man the beats are like beautiful man it's like how like i said melodious um kind of mm-hmm. unorthodox mm-hmm, and the way sure. and the way you the way you you ride the the rhythm is is ridiculous, man. It's really thank good. you, thank yeah. you. But that's 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 really the product of 
of Iman and I testing our chemistry. Mm-hmm. It, it's not accidental. It's not accidental that it took us, you know, two years plus to kind of follow up Lemonade with this, even though the songs are ready. I think people forget Iman's musical background. Mm-hmm. He's not just this guy who, um, you know, put together some loops. Not that that's not a great component in, you know, hip hop production, right. but his his skill set is beyond that. And I think people often forget, you know, they, they may remember if they're fans of Iman in terms of him being a singer, mm-hmm. even those fans are not always aware that he's producing a lot of the music he's singing on. Right. Um, so, you know, his background is in vocal jazz. And, you know, I think he and I intentionally were like, okay, with this whole thing with like rapping on beats that are loops, how do we take traditional form and then try to like test it or, or ring it out and get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I first met Iman and, and would be around other MCs, there was like some MCs particularly like they had almost like a hesitancy to like jump on his beats. And I didn't have that. And I think he saw Dope. that right away. Yeah. It was kind of like he, he has a signature. Um, he has a signature bop, I like to say, or mm-hmm. rhythm to mm-hmm. how he does his drums. You can tell Iman drums almost right away if you're a fan of his music. And for me, I was like, okay, there's something here to explore. So he saw that I approached rapping, like I'll hear a beat and I'll start rapping. He noticed, he was like, you know, you're, you're on, you're on key. You're actually on the right key Mm -hmm. as the beat, even though you're rapping. So that's, that started kind of opening up another lane. Like, okay, how do we maximize what's going on here rhythmically? How do we play with phrasing? And because he has that vocal jazz background, he would push me too you know like yeah. where where's really this pocket where is it at you know right. just kind of so you know when people hear it then you know they just hear raps on beats and they like the beats and they you know maybe you know hopefully they like the raps and the beats and all of that absolutely that we was are, a, we are being very intentional yeah that was a good point i've never really thought about that but now i'm gonna start thinking about that when i hear other mcs on their production that he said that you were in key. You know what I mean? Like, the voice yeah. really makes sense, even with the beat, but we don't think to say on key like a singer. So, nah. that, that's some, that. Some that's cats true. do it. Some cats do it naturally, and we don't realize that's part of the appeal and why that that makes a difference. Or or another another dynamic of that, you'll see certain beat makers or DJs, they'll do remixes, right? Mm-hmm. And the beat that they, they'll take a, uh, you know, someone's acapella, a rapper's acapella, right. or a singer's acapella, put it on their beats, and the beat might be dope, but when they put this new acapella on there, something is off, and what's off is the fact that the acapella is not in the right key. Right. But the beat, right. they don't know how to change it. Right. But Iman is like, because he, he he's a singer, so he, he hears that right away. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, you got a song in there called Veritas. Some New York cops took some teenagers off the street, made them stand in the lineup, even though they were not suspects. Parents are angry, Commissioner Bratton is angry and orders an investigation. Tim Lynch is at the 24th precinct on the Upper West Side. Tim, good evening. Good evening, Bill. The investigation started here and now has expanded to precincts throughout the city. The problem comes when victims are waiting to identify suspects. And they say the truth shall set you free. So I suppose deep breath like one, two, three. Then I let go. First thing, B-M-I-G. That is 
is the code, all roots lead black to the tree Original man, stand on your own two feet Retrace steps like damn, where we put our key It's critical, visible with ease Though it might cost you, might make you a little light Unfortunate, touched by thoughts of homicide Human beings turn lost souls to hard dreams I already won't doze, eyes froze all free Close to where they close off We cloak better with these clothes off I evoke OG, my total pole spread eagle with the Mozambique He dove head first, then feet, peace Leap of faith, arm, leg, leg, arm, head of relief With no face, but for some it go deep But it's the truth I speak, not the body Let me tell you about this shit Truth And not the body It's the truth Not the body let me tell you about this shit. Why is it that children like these who try so hard in school to be good students and to be good citizens, why should they be subjected to this? It's bigger than the two of us and it's happened to so many other people and now because of what is happening, we can hopefully just get home to stop and it'll no longer happen to other people. Cherry and King want back pictures detectives took of them so they can't be included even in future photo lineups. I'm not going to attempt to... Uh, uh, Sense. Sure the coding on it. I've already drafted the, the letters you send to the parents of those uh, children who return the photographs to them and anything else that they want. Let me tell you about uh, this shit. We were wrong, quite clearly. He said there are enough approved fillers for lineup. First shell came through my window with like age 12 to my wall. Now my skull managed to escape hell. Second L came at me on Halloween with 15. He aimed a pistol squeeze. I achieved top speed while gasping. Later me and my boys was laughing. Sad the past to manhood laid for black men. Public challenge. Patient planning for feds crash my gate for evading taxes All for my reenactment of the American way So the next shells that come at me, I'ma have to play Tick for tack, retaliate, ain't toe tag You in, now you under observation Truth printed on your hospital bracelet News clipping didn't quite get it right Like, what's his name again? The really harsh like jagged pills Steel wolves, so learn to heal wounds on the battlefield Cause that's the real Not about it let me tell you about this shit. Swear to God, it's the truth. Not about it. Off the chest, from the heart like this. Only take your party right like this. That neither police policy nor cases against accused suspects need to be compromised. Members of the city council who attended today's news conference say they intend to hold hearings on this subject. And as for the King and Cherry families, those teens were held here at the 24th Precinct. Their parents say tonight that they intend to file suit. Apologies from the city, they say, are not accepted. This song does a good job of like capturing the the racist tactics of law enforcement and and you know talking about how NYPD was taking pictures of innocent black men 
to use in suspect police lineups like that is crazy right and 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 you know we know there's like irrefutable evidence that law enforcement targets black men and you talk about how police shot at your house and then another time at you um i know you might not might not have the answer be able to answer this but i'm curious what was their lame excuse for their violent behavior towards you yeah you know well to clarify too i tend to um on, on certain subject matters i'll write about things and i'll combine certain experiences uh you know just just i guess naturally it wasn't like it was so planned out in that way mm-hmm. but um and, and that song and those verses are actually um I wrote them a really long time ago when I was young. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just I just never put them on a project. I never really shared them with anybody like that. And I, I think somehow just the subject matter and things that I was talking on in open seat, something just brought it all back up. Right. And uh, that recording on Veritas is is from the news broadcast about my case. You know, when I had to testify mm. against the NYPD and the mayor and uh, the police commissioner. You know, when I was a kid. So wow. people thought, you know, I. I'm big on even the audio samples that you hear with me since Lemonade, really, like people hear these these bites, they think we're downloading them off YouTube or they're from movies. Those are my personal recordings. Wow. You know, people I've met, old men I talk to me in the street or, you know, archive things that happened in my life that I've uncovered. So that that broadcast and those reporters and that, that case they're talking about and that voice is me. Mm. Um, so I think now that I'm grown, it's looking back, it's like, OK, this happened to me as a kid. And now I'm an adult and it's the same thing. So I can only imagine like how my parents or other, you know, other elders feel that like, okay, not much has changed in right. you know, 30, 40, 50 years in terms of how law enforcement engages communities of color. But for me overall, the message was like how I normalized a lot of these things growing up. It's mm-hmm. just part of my experience. And I didn't know until I was older that this is not, you know, I said sad the paths to manhood laid for black men. Right. You know? You know, that's that's it was just it just was what it was, you know, getting shot at or, you know, a bullet coming through my window when I was a kid. All of that stuff. Just normal. It was alarming. But yeah. Yeah, it seemed normal. It was only when I was an adult. I was like, nah, that's not normal. Kids right. ain't supposed to grow up like that, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is so true. I mean, I can think of times in my life. I can think of times in my friends lives. And like you said, as you get older, you look back like, wow, They're just yeah, how resilient we were and. You know, we're, we're innocent in a sense, but we don't realize all the ignorance around us. We weren't ignorant. We were innocent. And we were just trying yeah. to maintain our survival and in some in yeah, our innocence. You're right. maintain, yeah, you're trying to maintain innocence right. as a child. And I think I wanted particularly black men to have the same moment I had. Like, wow, wait a minute. That happened to me. Like you said, or that happened to my, my boy or that happened to my sister or whomever. You start. I wanted that moment to occur. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. I can relate to this even if I wasn't a street kid. Right. You know? So, so at the end, it's like the the you, you guys didn't accept their apology. What happened? Like near the. What oh that? man, <laughs> that's like a sore spot for my family. Oh but, okay. Uh, yeah. And no, nothing ended up happening, and that's why I said wow. about it. Out mm-hmm. of media coverage and and projected court dates, dates, and you know, uh, you know, they they you know, mentioned the possible lawsuits and civil suits and all of that. And that was the era where um, civil suits were really popular. Mm. Um, you know, through the 90s and early 2000s, you had kind of like Al Sharpton and these other uh, attorneys. They were making their name off of these racially charged right. civil suits. Yeah. So you know, it would be it was in the news, but actually nothing happened. And, and that's that's kind of the that's the overall point that like, yeah, I went through that and it was all of this and nothing happened. Just like 
how yesterday, you know, like in the neighborhood I'm from, yesterday, mm. a gentleman was gunned down by police and it's in the news right now. And I'm waiting to see if nothing is going to happen. Goodness, man. I mean, it's you hear, it's like you hear it almost every day now. Like, I feel at a point that, like, law enforcement just knows I, I'm going to shoot him. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen. Like, that's yeah, just yeah. how it is. They don't care how much we talk about it. It's like we're going to be it's going to become a, num, a, a new normal for us like we we're just talking about as youth this is going to be a new normal you hear it on the news oh okay another guy got shot nothing's going to happen you know is is ridiculous man so it, it actually it already is normal cuz right, yeah. like i said you know we cuz you know we thought by taping it and putting it on the internet and circulating it and go viral that there would be a response from america but all the response has been is acquittals right or you know, stuff like that yeah so, you know. Yeah, I do remember that. Like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna have body cams. That's gonna change the game. Nah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I I asked this, but I know it, it it could. We don't have all the answers. But what do you what do you think it might take to like heal or mend or change the relationship between law enforcement and black and brown communities to more of a positive relationship? I mean, is it possible? It, it's possible, but I. I won't pretend that I'm so that I have such an informed vantage point on it all that I can answer that. And be like, this is what will solve it. Yeah. But I, I do think that there's a level of engagement that police are going to have to have as community members. I live in the South now, for example, I mm-hmm. live in New Orleans and mm-hmm. I've been here for the last three years. And beautiful city. Yeah. So mm-hmm. A beautiful city. And it is, it has an issue with crime and yeah. gun violence. Um, but I don't feel the same type of, uh, I don't feel the same way I feel about police presence in New Orleans for some reason. I think some of it is I see more more officers of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. That's not automatically a factor because in in New York, officers of color oftentimes are the ones that are going to be more aggressive, yeah. more yeah, you know, more 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 chasing you down. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, here you know that officer is very identifiable in the city this size. Like that's somebody's uncle mm-hmm. or that's somebody's dad. Right. You know what I mean? So. Right. I don't know if that makes it a, a different level of accountability, but you kind of know, you know, they still live and are part of the communities they serve in. And that right. has long not been the case in New York for no. decades. Yeah. Years, you know? And you're right. You just talked about, I think it was, I think it happened in Crown Heights, the, the, what you're talking about. He, he had um, uh, some um, um, mental behavioral issues and the cops thought he had a gun, but it wasn't. So they shot him down. So, but everybody in the community knew who, who he was. So yeah. if the cops reflect the community and live in the community, they probably would have been a totally different outcome. So, yeah, it needs to kind of reflect what you – they need to kind of reflect or live in the community, and I think that would be a, a game changer. Well, it will, will change some things around in that sense. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, you know, I, you know it's, I'm, I'm from Crown Heights. That's mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Um, so Saheed – I believe his name is Saheed Vassal is the mm-hmm. gentleman, you know, who passed. So I just don't want to refer to him like symbolically, like he doesn't have an identity. But right. people in my immediate one degrees knew him. Mm. That's, that's how like that's how. So what you're saying rings that true. And I, I'm not even there. But off of one person, I experienced, you know, like, oh, that was damn, you know, my friend, you know, my yeah. friend of a friend. So, yeah, that, that shows you how real that is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
I got a name tattooed on my chest. I'm chasing Amy's, retracing my steps. Smoke tracing my breaths. Can still smell her clothes, linger off her efforts and grand. If you don't know about love and death, then you just won't understand. I'm reminiscing like a Chester Higgins. From where Plipsy empty like they pessimistic. Impressionistic, my frustration. The painting the portrait that's so vivid. And they still couldn't get it. From thin air, I'm trying to whittle it away before it wither away. Once bitten, now it slithered away. My sky blue, now digital ray. This requiem for my street, but technically the equity seat is not equity backed. Before it tanks, I give thanks when text bang on this beat. Chuck, we need to bring back weed spots. We need to bring back weed spots I'm trying to tell you, it's not nostalgia This been my style for a while These closet bangers, these moves is timing Two dunk almond, common threads Kama sutra, got it, common sense Santana riffs, banana nutriment Bandana kids, sandbag and sandwich bag Master plans from a few zips like Skews! I know the stars smell like trees at night I know these blocks from my dreams at night I know some ops trying to read these rights A hundred K off of these hip bikes I know the fear I got a name tattooed on my chest I'm chasing Amy's replaying this test Between reflect and forget Still feel the essence on New York Between Bergen and Dean If you ain't blessed to know got lost Then you can't learn what I mean These is Kings Plaza stanzas are gone for Yonza Sponsored by OG Samba nights give cold reminders I part ways with I when it's all for two tra la 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 It ain't about what's popular If it ain't on my parabola Phantom of your opera Rockin' high John the Conqueror Blockin' Cyclops hate with the Hamza Hand of the Fatima Jamie Foxx and them Talk to the hand the Bronx 80 blocks from her I'm just 28 grams Just an ounce, an ounce We down river They already took our grounds we just kids from the crown Heights of the Empire State And now it's like they're trying to take us out I know the feels, the feels, they in my house I know the feels, the feels I know the feels, the feels, how it feels When they're taking all your dreams from your field I know the feels, the feels I know the feels, the feels I know the feels, the feels, how it feels When they taking all your dreams out your feels How it feels Yeah Hey, if you're enjoying BookSpeaks Beyond, do us a big favor. Go inside any of our show notes of any of our episodes, and you'll see an icon that will take you to iTunes, where you can subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We just played the song Reprise. What's, what's this song about? Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I definitely, uh, a lot of my writing comes from a personal space. I think now, though, my aim is to take that personal space and make it somehow relatable or a trigger for other people's personal spaces so we're all relating. And 
I can't say that I had a like you know I'm gonna write this song it's gonna be about this like <laughs> yeah but what I, what I started to occur is um you know there's there's a skit before the album and uh before that song rather where so, uh, a woman is talking about a tattoo that I have on my chest that does have a woman's name and the tattoo is a poem and it's a friend of mine uh, named Amy Montague who who wrote me this poem and uh, you know later on passed away kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, unexplained so to speak i mean you know when young people pass it's always kind of like what happened right um for me though it for me the connection was strange because she's originally from new orleans and then here i am moving to her city and my first summer here with iman he went with me on my last day visiting to find where she was entombed and um but i think the whole thing became a metaphor for me of what happens to the place you love like a, like how she was a loved one and she's a memory. Brooklyn is a place mm. that's a loved one and it's a memory. So when people talk about gentrification yeah. or really what it really is, is culture cleansing more right. than it is gentrification because gentrification makes it too soft. <laughs> yeah. so right. It's really culture cleansing. And what happens when your home and all of that is taken away, it's not just your ability to rent and, and afford living cost of living it's your memories yes. it's your family's legacies it's your stories it's it's the school that you had your first kiss at like yeah. all of those things change so for me i'm writing about how i'm in these places in brooklyn and i can still feel the memory of my friend yeah. but i'm speaking on the memory of my love brooklyn too, right. that is now being swept away like 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 love lost you right. know and all of so that's kind of what that song was about and the reason why i had to call it reprise is because I realize that I I feel like I'm always trying to make that song. Hmm. You know, one of the first songs I made of any real merit was with Daru Jones, drummer and producer, and it had a similar Go Brooklyn sample in it. And I was, you know, testing myself to write about Brooklyn as as this, you know, almost as as a girl or yeah. a woman, yeah. life. Um, which is, you know, it's not a totally new metaphor or anything like that, but it's something that I just keep revisiting right. as I see my home continually change. So that that's why it was a reprise because I was like, yeah, I've done this song. I'm, I'm always doing this song, <laughs> yeah. you know, about, yeah. about Brooklyn and what's happening to her. So that's kind of where, where where that came about. And you did a beautiful job. I mean, as I was listening to it, I love how you connected your emotions for your friend and your ties to Brooklyn as the city. And you, like you said, uh, I I I lived in Brooklyn for about a decade, and I'm literally you go on certain corners, you do certain things, memories come back. So. I can only imagine having someone that you love lost in a city that you you love and you you feel like you're losing, you know. Yeah, I mean, it that was a that's a really powerful song, and um, you had this kind of flowing throughout the album talking about you know the culture cleansing and the gentrification, and there was a skit uh, also in the album. You talked about how <laughs> I thought I thought it was hilarious, and it was it, it did a great job of like encapsulating. Like the obliviousness, the ignorance, the indifference that the uh, benefactors of uh, gentrification take on. You, you said you had a school teacher, a white school teacher, when they when that teacher saw you in Brooklyn and you're the native, and they were like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> I was like, "Yo, right. that, that's that's actually that's not me." Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, but but that that is a person that I know well. That's that's like a brother of mine and an MC named Supernova okay. that still lives in Brooklyn. And it was another one of those same situations where I felt like 
I needed someone who, who authentically could speak on this. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was one, that was one of the stories he shared. And I was like, this is it. I have to put this <laughs> that was on, on the album. Yeah. yeah. It captured it perfectly. And he's still there dealing with that. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to put this out there. We don't really need to talk about it, but they had this expose that came out in this magazine called reveal and how like mm-hmm. racist banks are and how they're still redlining communities oh, and how, yeah. how, mm-hmm. how they're denying black and brown people with excellent credit scores and income, home loans yep. and housing, mm-hmm. and how uh, they're approving loans for white people who, with subpar or what most people might consider unqualified requisites for home loans and, 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 uh, and housing access. And you can see that all throughout Brooklyn. Like, it is, yep. the, the gentrification is so crazy there. And 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 that's a, that's that's just a shame. Just like knowing that it's a shame on a lot of levels too, because what people don't realize is that gentrification is planned and it's planned from the top down. Absolutely. So when you're in the community, all you can do is you know you get mad at when you see newcomers or quote unquote right. white people changing the neighborhood. Yes, right. But, but a lane was set to make the place more inviting and more accessible to them yeah. they didn't just wake up one day and be like you know what i think i'm going to move to brownsville brooklyn absolutely you know, parents, that's yeah. not how that works <laughs> no. you know? right um, but people don't know that so no. that's we're caught in this reactionary space that actually doesn't address how these things happen the way they did right 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 and a, another great thing about this album is throughout the album you use like terminology and references which i believe um is from like the nation of islam or or the nation of gods and earths, and mm-hmm. I just want to know if that's what 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 you're you're what I, if I'm correct in re, in saying those, and if I am, um, how how has being a part of the nation Islam or the nation of gods of earth or the five percenters impacted your life? Oh man, well first you know peace to all the NOI and and also all the gods and the earths. I'm not I'm not in NGE or NOI. But, oh, okay, but you know, I can't deny how much that was infused in my upbringing. And I also want to highlight for for fans that, you know, as an East Coast Brooklyn-born rapper, um, that's part of the fabric of hip-hop music. It's undeniable, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Like, we we still use a lot of 5% of slang, even if people don't realize when you tell someone, yo, let's build, that's 5%. You know, um, when you say word up, or that's my word, Mm -hmm. or word is born, Mm -hmm. all of that is 5% of slang. And and you can just keep going down the list. I still, you know, I might refer to my old lady as, you know, that's my whiz. Right. You know, so that's still, so it's still in my, in my New York, right. like, vernacular, right? But on the flip side, I think for me, I'm, I'm definitely a student of the culture, like, hands down, and a little bit of a hip-hop nerd. And it's, and it's my personal experiences, but um, I grew up, you know, I grew up observing people like Supernova Slum, who's, mm-hmm. whose mom is Queen of Fua, who wrote the Heal Thyself book, wow. right? Wow, yeah, yeah. And, so like him and his, they used to babysit me. Wow. But what you, what you start to see is um, as an adult, I realized like, you know, art is a commodity. I mean, it's, it's been a commodity, but you know, you go back, let's say, you know, if you on some anthropology type, you know, mindset art, what, when art is a commodity, it becomes something mostly accessed by those who have mm-hmm. resources. They're like economic, you know, it becomes, it becomes a privilege. Right. You know? And, that's not how art functions in anywhere else in the natural world. Like <laughs> you get a statue made 
by the person in your village, the artisan who makes that, that statue might have been had a purpose. Like maybe right. your you and partner were trying to have a child and y'all wanted a, fer- a fertility type energy around. You would go get this statue and you know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. So so what that implies too is that there's like a spiritual base to the art contextually mm-hmm. and all black music has that. Yeah. Right? So you know, there's 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 Christian you know what I mean? Like yeah. blues, we know we know that, but when you get to hip hop, we almost kinda get like slight amnesia because of like the confluence of entertainment and media and how right. those things are controlled. Right. But there was a point where if you're if you're you know, if you're born Within the you know if you're born between 19, I mean if you if you're an adult even if you're a teenager an older teenager you observed hip hop through your life, you caught the fringes of the fact that there was a very prevalent uh, Islamic center absolutely it's, yeah urban is you know especially like that's kind of like the fringes of what happened post civil rights post like these disenfranchised black liberation movements yeah. you kind of get action groups but all of that really informed the urban spaces where hip hop was birthed out of. Right. Right. I think for a while that was hip hop spiritual base, but then we kind of got swayed away from having a spiritual base. Right. And that's something I want to continually remind people about. Right. I I, I think you're totally right. Cause you know, I, I was big on the, 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 the nineties when it came to hip hop and I swear to God, every song, there was no, you could not take the, the, the Islam, messages the five percent of messages the nation islam messages out of it it was there i mean it was just a part of it it was almost like a code you know a, a way to get a lot across without saying a lot and a, and a way to really sh- touch on on the black consciousness you know because like you said as time moved on you know we and the movements were starting to break down there was still this language that we used to kind of interpret um our spiritual self you know and and i think that's what it is you know because i haven't heard a lot of mcs bring it back there and when i started hearing it from you again it really hit me hard and i was like i was able to listen to your album in a way that only people who understand the noi and all the gods learn and all that language it's really deep what you're saying so i just want to say thank you for that and the, make sure, and keeping that in in the culture because that is a big part of the culture because it's almost like it's almost like a grill right you know although it's commodified as an artist like you you starting you understand that you're talking about what's around you you know you're talking about the issues and that's what it is and it's still an art form but it has a purpose and, uh, right. and but the joke is this too though the joke is that I have to do it now particularly because we're in such we're in an era where, where uh, we have demonized Islam right you know we have demonized Islam or anything even remotely looking like Islam and, right and that's so ironic when like Rakim walked around right. with, uh, you know with a circle seven you know what I mean yeah like, absolutely. Like, you used to walk around with that on your leather jacket <laughs> if you were a rapper. Yeah. You know, up until probably the early 2000s, and now that is like could put you on a terrorist watch list. Or <laughs> right. You know I mean? Right. So it, to me, it's like it's like the count. Like this is the new Cointel Pro. So I have mm-hmm. I can't like pretend that like nah like this is this is what's going on and, and like don't try to pretend like you you know because that, that's yeah that's that's all man I can, I could you know. That's what it is, man. I can't. I'm like, nah. This, this, this got to go in. You can't. 
it's like you can't make gumbo without okra or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, you know what I'm saying? right. You can't, you can't do that. Yeah. And I want people to kind of like, I want them to be like, oh, word. And then maybe maybe if they didn't know, hopefully something was catchy enough about it where they went and investigated it. Because right. hip-hop used to do that for heads. Right. Put you on the stuff before you had instant Instagram access to it. Exactly. Like, you know, Raekwon might have rapped about a certain car. Like one time, you know, Ray, I did a song with Raekwon, and he was talking about, driving around in a Fisker, right? <laughs> but, like, if you didn't know that Raekwon was trying to invest in that new car company and was testing out those whips and listening to his lyrics, you wouldn't even have known. He put me on when he did the verse. I was <laughs> right, like, oh, wow. that's right, those cars. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And now you don't have that. And you're talking about a, a, um, a, a generation of artists who, even if they were school dropouts, were well-read. Yeah, absolutely. Islam, yeah. the nation. Well, NGE required them to be, um, right. you know, learned in what they were doing. So right. you got Nas who got dropped out of school in like eighth grade, mm-hmm. but he was well read. You right. know? And that's I want to make context cool again. Right. Know? Good point. Good point. Because I'm telling you, it, it, I, my 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 parents were NOI. My grandfather was a minister in the NOI, and just just how the government will always kind of spy on them and tell them they need to calm down and it, it, i mean it is serious like how much knowledge is within the uh if, if you if you learn from the noi there's a lot in there there's a, a lot of deep messages that are very empowering for uh the black youth and to put that in your music i mean you might hear something be like what did he just say i mean it's it's gonna catch your ear and you're gonna want to dig in and figure that out and i know there's millions of black boys and girls that did that with the hip-hop so it's very important. And I that want the white boys and girls to do it too. Absolutely. Like new time. Like yes. Especially if they yes. have certain ages. Like, I, I don't want them to feel like I'm excluding them. Absolutely. This like, yeah. This is the, you know, this the footnotes. Like, right. follow those breadcrumbs. <laughs> right. Oh, so that's that's how I want. I want them to feel excited. I don't want them to feel excluded from that because. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you I, know, I yeah, I did not mean that. I, yeah, they 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 definitely need to understand that too because if you. you once you understand that you the the music is just on a whole different level and you you respect the artist m- much more because you're really realizing how deep the messages are so absolutely yeah candidly i asked the commander in chief most high what they had in the world and his hands for me If pulsars is made from the same matter as me How can they question if my matters regarding matters of being sarcastically? I asked the commander in chief one time Why assholery harassing me came naturally In gunfire or any abstract way to massacre me Placebo or panacea, I feed on the cannabis leaf, yo They try to throw Harry and Tub on the front of a dub Hilarious, the little white girls in the club Got one roll to do rails, but not on the ground If only she could see us now Can't wash the blood off our hands with flint water But you could take the life of a man in Florida Simply if you could stand My internal jihad on this inferno of these blocks that we live we in the burn unit, or unified to burn the bridge See, it's not just levels, it's layers Why the onion leave them in tears? I how the other onion leave you in numbers on the tear These be the squares Down the halls where you could only talk with the mares It's confronted in rubber rooms on 100 and ride gears But am I lying? I guess I'm on my cotton picking mine I guess I'm on my cotton picking mine 
You see, that's what we find. I guess I'm out my car and pick your mind. I guess I'm out my car and pick your mind. Forgot my biggest sign. I guess I'm out my car and pick your mind. I guess I'm out my car and pick your mind. My car and pick your mind. I guess I'm out my car and pick your mind. I guess I'm out my car and pick your mind. How could a texture so soft and cloud like? Life so bloody Leave a hand so solely Reaching for its whiteness Many leaves have rose and fell Back to the earth to tell That the sunlit mind been through hell, been losing through a spell to this very day. So please don't drink the bleach. That ain't the drink to drink. Recharge with the stars. Shine where you are. We just played the song State of Mind. What's what's the message here? Oh, man. <laughs> I was trying to make people cry. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, uh, I like, I like, uh, like hip hop that makes you feel a way. Especially yeah. if it's like you're listening to it in your headphones. It's not necessarily, I, this is not an album that I expect songs to be played in the club per se. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. But so it's, you know, something you listen to. You listen to it in your phones. You live in an urban area. You listen to it in your car or your train ride commute. You know, so I, there's a there's a progression. I, I I build albums in my mind almost like movies. Mm. So with, by the time you're hitting that point of the record, you should be like there should be an upswell of things you felt. Yeah. And um and you know and I I'm not gonna lie when I was writing that song, I knew I was like yo I need I I, I had Georgia Georgia Ann in mind. So so so, talk about how you and 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 in Georgia were able to collaborate on this song. Oh man, me, me praying. No, <laughs> <laughs> I um, no, I uh, like I said, I had I had the song, I had kind of had the song in mind, and I do live in the South now, and uh, it just hit me one day. You know, you hear that expression like, "What are you out of your cotton picking mind?" You know, and, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am out of my college. Exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, and I live in Louisiana. You know, if you if you look, you don't have to look hard to find the remnants. <laughs> no. You want to hear something scary, though? You, know, you want to hear something scary about Louisiana? Uh, my wife, her family lives there. And um, the, the, the prison down there, Angola prison, uh huh. they still have them picking cotton as one of their... Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mentioned Angola on, on Lemonade because I found that out when I got out here. But I had heard, it's funny because, you know, you hear about Angola even in places like New York. Yeah. Of like how many people go to jail. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, but exactly, we're doing the same thing. And But it's also, it was my way of, of playing with that pundit to show you how absurd it is. Like if someone says, hey, you out of your cotton picking mind, <laughs> right. the answer should be yes. Exactly. <laughs> Hell yes. And you too, my brother. So I, right. Yeah, so I, I am. Exactly. So I am out of that. And um, what ended up happening is, uh, I believe it was last, if it wasn't last summer, it might have been the end of the summer before that, Georgia Ann had her first uh, show in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to hold bill with her. Wow, yeah. And uh, it was a, I, she's a killer lot performer mm-hmm. and uh, I think I made a, a positive impression on her as well and when we were chatting it up I, I shot my shot because in my opinion she's influenced you know people you know people talk about Dilla babies but low key a lot of people are Georgia babies yeah like Erica Badu and stuff right and, <laughs> if you, you know we out here talking about stay woke but I tell everybody the first person I ever heard say that was Georgia Ann right. that's her who says that first on that <laughs> yeah. you know, people just don't realize um, so yeah you know I just I just couldn't do it unless it was with her to be honest and you know she was open to it and then when I sent her the song with my vocals you know she hit me back it was like wow dad like what you know what you want me to do on this <laughs> and, uh, and I was like Thing to him because you know Georgia will bar up on them too. Yeah, know? right. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like her style of singing and the and the and the the spirit of her singing. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it, we, there's something going on. I think there that she's delivering that is helping us. And right. That's my opinion, you know. But yeah. I, I stand by that, so that's why I had to be there, and that's why. She, you know, the the reprise is technically a bonus track, but mm. she's the last voice you hear yeah. on the album because, uh, un- unlike Lemonade, you know, there's no women on Lemonade. Mm. You know, right. there's no women. You don't hear any women on the Lemonade project. Um, the the visuals are told by women storytellers, mm-hmm. but on on Private Stock, you hear these conversations with black men, but on a couple of them, it's like me. And I'm getting a response from mm-hmm. a black woman, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and George Ann was kind of like a, a a heavy a heavy moment for that. Heavy. I mean, that was a great great song. I mean, y'all went well together, and her 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 verse was deep, man. <laughs> like I, I would only be able to ask her uh, where 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 she was going with that, but um, it, it, as you guys were saying, um, out of my cotton picking mind i was thinking the same thing yes i am out of my cotton picking mind and and i was even saying and then i started thinking no black people shouldn't be the only ones out there cotton picking mind it should be white people as well because if if there there are some that are still in their cotton picking mind and that's what i think she was trying to get saying you got to get out your cotton picking mind because the privilege and false superiority is also reflective of the overseer and the slave master so we all need to get out of our cotton mental illness. yeah we, we're all mentally ill yeah we're right. all mentally ill 
Right. You know, our country's mentally ill from this. And I think perspective wise, when I when I did the song, my verse, I wanted it to uh to be almost I wanted to sound close to someone like they were somewhere where they didn't they wouldn't normally hear me expressing this. Almost mm. as if, you know, uh as, as as if that's that's what I was saying, kneeled at the side of my bed praying at night. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you by the time you hear Georgia it's almost like my res- the response <laughs> right. is like so much so much from outside of me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm out my cotton picking mine. But by the time you get to Georgia, she's like, get up out of your cotton. like get up out of there. Right. So that's she's screaming at you like, you know, get up out of there. You know. <laughs> right. So yeah. yeah, yeah, dope song, man. So let's talk about some things outside your music. So when you're not pursuing music, what are you really doing to relax? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I haven't. Um, oh man, I I have not been doing much relaxing per se. Um, but I do, you know. Man, I don't even know, bro. <laughs> um, I smoke a lot of pot. Okay, there you go. Pot to try to have my yeah, I smoke a lot of pot. Smoke, <laughs> have my meditative moments. Um, when I'm not working on music, I'm creating other components of the art. Like hmm. for me, it's all the same thing. And yeah. I realize like. People don't know that I art directed private stock. Like everything from the cover Word. to the videos, I write every treatment. Wow, yeah. nice. So uh, the reason why is because I'm I'm that type of stoner though, where I, I will fall into the world that I'm creating, nice. and uh, hope and then try to communicate that to other creators who will help me manifest that vision. Yeah, wow. So when I'm not writing the music or perhaps I'm writing video treatments or I'm designing, you know the all the stuff that like there's there's a lot of visual components that went with private stock and I I was privately co-masterminding all of that. Wow. Know? And you just could do kind of trust in my gut and just, just to continue creating. And you could do all that while high, man. I I, I can't, man. I wish I could, man. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm high, I get paranoid. <laughs> if I envy people like you. <laughs> Crazy. Um so the show's called Books Beats and Beyond. So I got to ask you, what books are you reading right now or what books had the biggest impact on your life? I'm not reading anything currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some books that I do need to finish. Someone gave me, um, you know, Paulo Coelho's Warrior of the Light. Wow. And I haven't finished it yet just because I was so uh, immersed in what I was doing. So I put it down for a while. And I've also been um, finishing a poetry book that um, – are you familiar with Aja Monet? Yeah. Which one? well-known poet. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a, she has a book out right now called My Mother Was a Freedom Fighter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I feel like she – I feel like, yeah, she dropped it maybe like spring or summer of 2017. Uh, so I've, I've definitely – I know Aja personally, and I, I consider her like a brilliant mind. Right, so right. I definitely like was reading some of her. I haven't. Uh, I tend. I tend. Book wise, I tend to like nonfiction, really dense stuff. That's why I haven't yeah, had the time to get into it because I'm the type of point. Yeah, I'll, I'll read a whole like manual on like tetragrammatons and like <laughs> cabalistic ideas, and yeah. stuff like that. Now I'm I'm, so, I'm big uh, into nonfiction. I'm big into nonfiction too. Like some people are like yo, how do you read all that heavy stuff? I'm like yo, it's just like a story to me. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like I like the I like to find. Like, I don't know, man. I, I find that type of stuff has layers for me, so I think that's why I enjoy it. Right, right. You can, sell, you can tell it in the music, too, definitely. So um, 
what 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 three albums uh and or songs had the biggest influence on shaping who you are today hmm oh man um that's a good one i'm bad at picking favorites and like narrowing things down in that way but i mean you know i i'm hmm I feel. I will say that. All right. So Quelle, are you familiar with Quelle, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. He's on. He's, he's on. The, you know, Quelle is a dear friend. He's he's on Private Stock. He's a, someone I collaborate with often, and he's also part of Vibe Music Collective with Iman and myself. Um, I think being around him, I really started to hone in on like how how we make albums, like how we create complete thoughts and complete mm-hmm. experiences in that way. I was always a fan of that anyway, but he's definitely been an influence in some of his last records. If I would go back to childhood, um, you know, of course, Nas, Nas records had a way of being, um, they were like books, you know, right. you, would, you would listen to them and he had a, he had a very visual style of, of writing. Um, I think he's often undercredited for how significant his writing has affected you know a couple generations absolutely yeah um so i'm thinking album wise who else there's another album that's you know it's going to sound kind of super left um but it's called um i believe it's called shango shouter and obia oh okay it's a compilation yeah it's a compilation record of um calypso songs Uh sung in trinidad i want to say like the 30s and 40s you know, yeah. and the reason why I like that album is because you start so songs that some of them have like Christian that some of them are very, very Christian. Right. They're almost like repurposed hymns. And some of them nod at traditional African religion. Right. I, I just like that album because they, they, they kind of even break down the songs. You know, you can you can tell which ones are the ones nodding at the traditional African religion. West African religion specifically, and um, you know, and then the ones that came out of the Baptist church or the Christian circles. That album definitely had had. I still listen to it. What's the name of it again? I still listen to songs from. I still. It's called Shango Shouter and Obia. Wow. Yeah. No, but you're right. I I I kind of got into a lot of um the um the um the Afro Latin music as well. And you can definitely feel the West African vibes all through it, you know, and, and like you said, the mix of the the African religions with the Christianity, man, it's it, it takes you on a on a whole different like vibe. Yeah. And I and I, I like it too because it's it's so they're rapping low key, you know, mm-hmm. because that, that form I'm I'm kind of um I'm really mesmerized by that that genre's form writing wise, like they do they rhyme and they're doing couplet rhymes. It's very lyrical. You can't do the songwriting. There's not. It's, it's not empty. None of the songwriting uh, is yeah. empty. They're either stories or little maxims. There's something in there for you, and I think you start to see like that as a uh, as a main tree that that hip hop has is a branch from in a way, you know. Yeah. So yeah, Shango shouts and Obia, Supernatural Calypso from Trinidad, 1934 to 40. That's is the dope. name of the album. Now living in Brooklyn, do you have a, a West Indian background yourself? Oh uh, yep, definitely, definitely. Yeah, okay. um, I'm first generational, so oh wow. My, um, my parents, the Carib- yeah, I'm the first in my family born in the United States, and um, my parents are from the Caribbean. 
Uh, some of their parents are also scattered throughout the Caribbean or South America and other places. So we, we, my family's been heavy in that part of the Americas for hundreds of years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I, when I used to live in Brooklyn, I, I, I lived a little in Crown Heights and then I, I lived a lot in, in East Flatbush and, you know, you, you cannot, you can't deny the Caribbean influence in Brooklyn. It, it's, there's no, there's no such thing, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And I, I try to point that out to people that want to really want to get on the hip hop nerd thing. I'm like, you know, all the hip hop pioneers were Caribbean. Right. You know, um, yeah. you know cool, cool Herc is Jamaican. Mm-hmm. Grandmaster Flash is Beijing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then all the, all the Puerto Rican B-boys, they're all, these are all Caribbean cats because it took, it took, a, maybe it might have taken a Jamaican dude to show you this is how you set up a big sound system in the street. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like basic, basic things like that, you know? So um, there's, there's a super, and then, you know, the first time you heard Biggie Smalls on the record, it's on, it's on a reggae, it's on a dance, you know. That's right. It's on, it's, it's on a reggae, it's, you know, Dolly My Baby. Yeah, it's right. That. That's yeah. the first time you hear Biggie, right? So, you know, and you saw it in his style because he's Caribbean. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and then, as, you know, especially with a lot of the Brooklyn artists or artists from, like, certain parts of the Bronx, they weren't afraid to, to show that, that element, even KRS. Mm-hmm. You know, they would, show, they would show that element in the music. So I definitely, I'm definitely coming from that. And also, I'm, I'm related to Andre Tanker. You know, um, my family's related to Andre Tanker. He's probably, you know, the, one of the most famous he probably is the most famous Caribbean folk jazz musician. He's kind of considered like the Bob Dylan of like Trinidad. So, that's dope, man. Know? Wow. So that's that's always been yeah, not that, you know in my family. Wow, just 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 musical genius flowing all throughout. That's dope, man. That's dope. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so so what 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 do you think that you can contribute to today's hip hop culture? I think I can contribute a sense of context. I want to restore the idea of being a student of the culture and I want to infuse pop music with indigenous and spiritual elements. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Yeah. That's needed. Absolutely. You, you I mean you if if you have if you have the great like melodious beats that make me people want to move or even not just to move, just want to relax and think. And then like you, you, you do what you, what you're rhyming, you make it like an onion layers and layers and deep with all kind of different kind of, uh, spirituality and so forth. Yeah. I, I, I you, you're contributing that man. You're, you're doing that. <laughs> you definitely are. Thank man. You, man. And hopefully it gives, you know, I, I think, like I said, I'm the type of stoner that I, I want to, you know, give me a give me a movie with layers to watch. You know, like, <laughs> like Inception or something. Yeah. I'm one of those people, so I think when you have things that are layered like that, it gives it some some replay value or some come back to a value. Right. And that's what I aim for because when it's very very superficial like that, you may receive it right away, but it's very forgettable. Right. It's very very forgettable. But when you have something that has these 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 pockets or these things to fall into, you'll be in the shower one day and be like, yo, this has happened to me. There's been times recently, I wish I could remember specifically, but there was a time recently I was in the kitchen cooking or something and I had just gotten or just realized what like, but let's say it was somebody like Biggie. You yeah, know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, here it is like these years later and I just got what he said <laughs> I on know. that line. You yeah. know what I mean? Or like, like oh, here's a good one, like, on uh, Ghostface has a song called Flowers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, 
and there's a part in the song where they're like, you better pay Big Mama for using his lyrics, right? But it was like two years later, I was like, oh, they're saying you better pay Big's mama. You have to pay Big's mama for using his lyrics. Wow. But, you know, the way they're saying you better pay Big Mama for using yeah, his lyrics. Yeah, right. You know? I'm like, wow, that's so deep. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I love those moments in hip hop. I don't think any genre has songwriting that has that makes that kind of impact with no. people. And meanwhile, they try to paint us like, like we're uneducated. Exactly. You know? yeah. we're, we're writing. Yeah, songwriting. Our song, hip hop songwriting is is rich. It is, man. It is, and I'm just like you. I like the songs that if I didn't understand it at first. I'm, it might be years down the road when it hits me, and then it's just a new song all over again, and I'm bumping it again like it was brand new, you know? So, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um. And I gotta ask just real quick, because yeah. I don't want it to come off a way that's polarized. Like, I, I like, I wanna do, I wanna do songs with artists who have different approaches. Like right. Right now, like, my, my, my Secret no more. I've been slowly letting it know. I want to collaborate with with Takashi Six Nine so bad, <laughs> so bad, yeah. so bad. Like I'm not. I don't think what he's doing is whack. In fact, I, I, I rocks with it. I mean, yeah. not, I don't have to. Um, it's not all for me, so I don't have to be like you know, you know, it's not all for me. But artists like I like Lil Yachty. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I like Lil Bo. You know what I'm saying? And I like I could do a song with Lil Bo and still be me, and he could still be him, and there's a space in there where right. we're both hip hop. Right. Know? So, no, so I, I totally like, agree with you. All spectrums. Right. There definitely has to be a balance, and I think that's just what is missing. We need that balance again. I'm, I mean, I, a lot of people get mad when we talk about, you're always talking about the 90s. Well, there was a balance, man. I mean, it, it was a lot more art than it was trying to fi- figure out who, try, trying to emulate who's making the money, right? So, and that's where you got that balance. Because black, you know what it was? I think it was getting money in the nineties. Yeah, they they were. That's they were. What I, that's what I think. <laughs> he was getting money in the nineties, like in movies, and and then you know, young black people started realizing, like, yo, there's there's opportunities here. Right. So we talk about the nineties because our parents and their peer group, you know, they were young people getting to getting outlets to express creative ideas in pop culture and media. Right. That's partly why we glorify the nineties because in reality, and it had a different sense of identity. Because half the stuff we complain about in hip hop that we think makes it whack or whatever was super prevalent in the early '80s and right. all that. If you look at early '80s hip hop videos, just, there's no black women. There's all white girls. Right. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Or they're, they're rapping about cocaine. They rap about cocaine and getting money and fast cars. The same shit. It's we just, the same. Just in the myth. Yeah, we've made it. We've made we've we've mythologized it in a way like. Like they wasn't talking about that stuff. It's only when the message came out that people started being like, "Oh, okay, this could be something else." Right? Yeah. Good point. Yeah, that is that is so true. If you look back, it's all about going to the club, dancing, and and, and you know, yeah. like you said, and, and competing with disco. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so, um, what do you want people to mainly take away from the album Private Stock? I want them to have conversations like how we're having now. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what makes great albums stand. I, I remember when, um, you know, I I only recently started getting into like Kendrick Lamar's catalog, and it's mm-hmm. not because it's not because I didn't think he was dope. Mm-hmm. I hadn't drawn a connection to his music like that yet, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I could see why it was good and see how talented he was, but a friend of mine had to call me and be like, "Yo, listen to to Pimp a Butterfly, man. Mm-hmm. Kendrick made that album." Mm-hmm. Like, 
right? <laughs> and because my boy, you know, people forget about the art of personal referral. Oh yeah, my word boy of mouth. Said that. Yeah. I went and listened to it. Yeah, I went and listened to it that night just because my man, who I trust, right. he told me to listen to it. And listen to it that night. So I want that to happen. I want people to have conversations. I want them to see that there's themes that myself and some of the artists on the project are rapping and singing about that you don't always hear black men right. singing and talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, there's a song on the album called Bar Therapy. Like, oh, yeah. You know, Quelle, Quelle has a line. Yeah, Quelle has a line on there. He says something about, you know, and break bread with feminine auras rarely acknowledged. Yes. Right? When he said that line, I was like, wow, that's so true. Like, you know, how I'm like, yo, but, but for a rapper to say that as a bar, mm-hmm. that's to me, that's really compelling. I think people need to, like, listen to it on that level. Like, yeah, the beats, are, yes, we're trying to make something sonically pleasing, but when you're scratching the surface, you keep listening. There's conversations on that record, mm-hmm. and I want it to spawn more. Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you. I don't know how many of my friends I've been like, yo, you got to listen to this album. And they'd be like, yo, you just told me that. Well, yeah, you got to listen to this album. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we can talk about it because this this level, this this album's on some on some other other stuff right now, man. So, yeah, man. I really, I really appreciate that, for real. Yeah. Well, Cavalier, I just want to say thank you so much for being on Books, Beats, and Beyond. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all having me. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad we got to talk about the project. I appreciate you, Taj. Thank you. If you want to purchase any of the music, I've included links in the show notes. Or you could just go to booksbeatsandbeyond.com. And, you know, what's cool is by clicking on the links, you support the guests, the music artists, and uh, we get a small commission, which is no extra cost to you which we would then put toward the operations of this show. Um, and also, please click on the iTunes link to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And if you do this stuff already, just want to say thank you so much for your support. Remember, let's read, listen, explore. <laughs>